0: On the chair, there are some uh, invite cards. I want to ask you to take them and use them uh, because they're paid for to be given out, and uh, we don't have any need for them here. We'd like for people to come and and be part of this series. Today, I'm going to be starting this series off. Red letters, and uh, I'm going to start a little bit differently than than what maybe uh, you could expect, um, but. I have a reason for that, and uh, but we're going to be doing red letters for the next about seven weeks, uh, including this Sunday. I've got six sermons that uh, are going to follow. Actually, I'm sorry, six weeks, five sermons are going to follow uh, that are going to be intentional about some things, and I want to talk to us specifically about uh, the things that Jesus taught and preached, the things that Jesus taught and preached. And uh, so, to our guests today, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And uh, as you've noticed, we're, we're free in our worship. We encourage free worship uh, just as the Bible did. If you look in the Old Testament, the, the Bible talks about singing a new song, talks about clapping our hands, rejoicing, singing, dancing, uh, shouting, all of those things. And we feel our liberty to do that. And we invite you to join us in that uh, if you're comfortable. And uh, at the end of service, it is our church family's practice to give the Lord an opportunity to minister to us, as only He can do, the Spirit of God can do so much more than what I can do through a sermon, and that's not to minimize preaching, the Bible says through the foolishness of preaching we are saved, uh, not to minimize that, but the Spirit of God can do so many more things than what I can do, and so we give Him an opportunity to speak to us, to speak to our need, and to minister to us as only he can. And so we invite you to join us if you want to. You can join us at the front. If you prefer to stay right where you're at in the seat, that's okay too. We're just happy that you're here. And and it's our hope that you get encouraged, that you get faith-filled, that you get something from God that you came here looking for, and that you walk away different today. Amen. So, the next six weeks, I'm going to be preaching this series on the teachings of Jesus Christ. Uh, red Letters is what I've decided to title it just because they're, you know, the red letters in the Bible, right? And it uh, seemed like a good, simple uh, title. Today, I'm preaching Optional Failure. Optional Failure. Your failure, my failure, is optional. It's optional. And uh, there are really only two options when it comes to the teachings of Jesus Christ. There is doing, and there is not doing. There is doing, and there is not doing. And failure in doing or not doing is very optional. And So I'm going to preach today, failure is optional, optional failure. Next Sunday I'll preach being, and I'm going to explain a little bit about what I'll be preaching about here in a minute. Forgiving will be the next sermon, serving, and then giving and going. And there are things uh, in our life and in the world that are not always as they appear to be. There are some things that whenever they look like something from afar off, you get up close and you start measuring them or you start uh, looking closely at them and they're not what you thought they would be. And uh, an example would be fool's gold. You know, from a distance, fool's gold shines like gold. It looks like gold. You get it into your hand and, and it's not as heavy as gold. It's not as soft as gold. It's not quite gold. Costume jewelry. You look, and, and it, it's, it's uh, I read an article a while back, the costume jewelry kind of went through a season of, of struggle a little bit because one of their main um, main buyers was Hollywood. You know, in movies, they had to recreate these, these jewelry masterpieces sometimes. And whenever everything was in standard definition, and and was four by three instead of 16 by nine it it looked like the real thing it wasn't hard to fake it but now with high definition television and 4k television coming in what they found is that they really had to up their game and making stuff look realistic and so they started putting more effort into the costume jewelry but costume jewelry you know ladies know you can see it from a distance and think wow you know look at those pearls and then you Find out they're plastic. Get up close. Or maybe it's the next great investment opportunity that you heard about. You heard about it this week, probably. And uh, it looks good, but once you get there digging into it, it's not so great. Right, Vince? There's some investment opportunities that, yeah, there are opportunities out there, uh, but they're probably not the best of investments to be made. And I found that this is true for people, too. People can be, have an appearance, but you get close enough, that appearance starts to shift and change. And I can remember uh, when I, I was younger and my teenage friends would go to the mall, you know, we were looking for girls, we're trying to meet girls, and you'd be walking through the mile, mall and there'd be a pretty girl coming your way and, and hey, man, check her out, look at her, and, uh, you know, don't judge me for this. Guys, we probably all did this as teenagers. Um, You go, man, look at her, look at her. And you got closer, like, well, she's not my type, you know. (laughs) Because from the distance, you know, there was a certain appearance. You got closer and you realize, well, there's some things I I don't like. And and we can admit that, that there are some things. When you got married to the person you're married to, Everything looked perfect, right? And as you got deeper into that marriage, Shannon's looking at me like I'm about to get in trouble. <laughs> you get deeper into that marriage, there's some things that start to be revealed, right? The way they squeeze that toothpaste tube. The way they put or don't put that toilet roll onto the back on the toilet roll holder. Some things like that. I'm sure there's something in your home that it's like, My wife and I just settled. It was easier for us to get separate toothpaste tubes. Because I'm very fanatical about how clean mine has to be. It's one of my, yes, the top has to be on it. I do not want that hard toothpaste coming out on my my brush. (laughs) It sounds like some people know what I'm talking about. So things can be not as they appear To be in a more serious fashion. The world has too many false Christians. Nominal. Nominal means in name only. We would call them convenient Christians. When it's convenient, they're Christian. Sunday only Christians. They show up Sunday but their life Monday through Saturday does not reflect any of the teachings that Jesus Christ pushed out there. They are not what they look like or would look or would like to appear to be. Have you ever been shocked by a situation, maybe it was a certain couple, that you thought they had that perfect marriage, but come to find out they had some serious marital difficulties and you're shocked to learn this when it comes out because when it comes out it's like everything blows up and comes apart or maybe someone that you thought they were so financially secure man if if I could have the amount of income they have or or if I could have the access to money that they have they seem so financially secure maybe I made better decisions like they had in the past and all of a sudden out of nowhere they declare bankruptcy On occasion, I've seen, as you have, someone who seemed to be a person of great character. Their life is a life of influence and credibility, but to my dismay, what seemed like a life of great dimension begins to crumble, and they were not what they had appeared to be for so many years. And when we see it happen, we all begin to look for some valid reason. We look for a scapegoat or someone or something to blame it on. Amen? Maybe it was the person they were married to. Maybe, maybe it was a midlife crisis. Maybe it was how their parents raised them or the environment that they came up in. And there's all kinds of reasons that we fall back to for the collapse of whatever came apart and was not the appearance of what it appeared to be like. And Jesus recognized our tendency to fault someone or something else with our collapses. So he taught us some very specific how-tos designed to show us how to deal with life. And all of those how-tos can be found on what we refer to as the sermon on the mount they take place over three chapters in the book of Matthew and in it he talks about everything he talks about marriage he talks about uh, doctrine he talks about uh, money he talks about a lot of different things how to live life and the sermon I'm going to preach today may seem like an odd place to start if I'm going to talk about the things that Jesus taught But there's one part of Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount, it happens in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24 through 29, that I feel like really holds the key to everything that Jesus taught and preached. And it's the story of two people that are building homes, and one builds on rock and one builds on sand, and the calamity that befalls them both, but only one home is left standing. And so we're going to talk about that today. So it's, understand, it's important that we understand the intent of the things that Jesus teaches. It's also essential that we make this very personal. It's not about the person down the street. It's not about the person on the other end of the aisle. It's about me, myself, and I. It's about what God is trying to get me to do in my life. It has to be very personal. Jesus' teaching is very specific, and surprisingly, it's very relevant for today. It's never lost its relevancy. (coughs) So starting out, I want to tell you a story about, does anybody remember the, the Olympics in Athens 2004? Been a while. A little water under the bridge since then. Does anybody remember how many gold we won in 2004? I don't either, and I didn't look it up. But in the 2004 Athens Olympics, there's an interesting story, and and I always love true stories. They're like the best. There was a sharpshooter named Matt Emmons, Matthew Emmons. And Matt Emmons, if you ever get a chance, go read about him. He's, He's a very interesting guy. Matt Emmons was far and away the best shooter in the world, still is today. Incredible, incredible shooter, marksmanship. And some said that he is the best shooter that has ever lived. And that year, going into the Olympics in 2008, there was no question about who was going to win gold. Everyone knew who was going to win gold. The question was, who's going to take the silver and who's going to take home the bronze? Everyone knew Matt Emmons was going to be the gold man. He was going to take home the gold. And so as Matt Emmons comes down to his final shot in the competition, he's walking to his target, and he's going through the paces of what he has to do to prepare himself to make this final shot And hit a bullseye. Up until this point, his lowest score was a 9.3. And that's just outside of the dead-on bullseye. I mean, we're talking like an area like this at a great distance. And he's walking up prepared to make this shot. And as a shooter, they're trained to lower their heartbeats. And so they practice certain breathing techniques so that their heart will slow down because it's in between these beats of heart in a minute that they want to take that shot because they're resting completely still. And so Emmons, in first place, by a mile, no one's even close to him. All he has to do is walk up and hit that target, which is super easy for someone who has been hitting bullseye after bullseye after bullseye. He just has to hit the target and it's over. He's won. No one can catch him he positions himself and he slows his heart rate one bullet left to shoot and he fires (laughs) bullseye nails it (coughs) and he stands up I've won the gold there was a problem with his focus being on slowing his heart rate and getting in the right position. He had his eye on the wrong target. And he ended up doing what's called crossfiring, where you fire into the wrong lane at the wrong target. And instead of having an easy victory, he dropped from first place to eighth place. Because he shot the wrong target. His intentions were in the right place. He had a target in mind. He had a target in his eyesight. But he missed the mark. Now the Bible tells us that all have missed the mark. We've all missed the mark. All have missed the mark come short of the glory of God. But in God's instruction through his word, through Jesus Christ's teaching, we have some targets in our lives that we need to hit. We have some things that we need to build in our life. And if we are targeting the wrong things or if we have the intention, the right intention in place, but we set out with succeeding in things that don't matter, we build wrong. And this is exactly the story that Jesus is giving us in Matthew 7, 24 through 29. Now, you've heard it taught maybe and preached about that this is the believer and the unbeliever. That's not what Jesus is talking about. And I'll show you why it's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about two people who are hearers of the word, but only one has been a doer of the word. Matthew 7:24 says this, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus teaches some things, he preaches some things all throughout his discourse on the Sermon on the Mount, and when he gets to this point, he says therefore. He says because of what I've said, I want to I want to get down and make this the main point of everything that I've said. He's about to bring a summation of everything that he's taught and everything that he's preached up until this point. And discussing certain facets of life, he now sums up everything in this one story. He says, therefore, Jesus is about to give a final point of sobering dimension. And notice the two components that Jesus points out. He says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, whoever hears and does. Now, he's going to draw a contrast in just a minute because he's going to say whoever hears and does not do. Matthew seven twenty five. the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. He said, whoever hears and does, these sayings, the things that I've taught, they're like a wise man who built on the rock. And when the rain descended, the floods came, the storm blew in and beat on the house, it would not fall. Why? Not because of the workmanship of the house. Not because of how beautiful or ornate the edifice was. Not because of what it was made out of. But only because it was founded on the rock. And he used the word floods. When the floods came. And that word means current. It means the currents of life. He's saying when the things of life come and hit up against the house. That that house is only going to stand if it's founded on the rock. The things that I've taught before now. So there are some things in our lives that we have to build up and strengthen, and that is the foundation of everything that we build on for our life because every one of us, we're building in our life. Popular saying right now is build the life you want, right? Anybody heard that? Build the life you want. Decide what you want to do and set out and do it. I was reading an article about a man. He's an entrepreneur, a businessman, And he likes to work remotely all around the world. And someone asked him the question, how did you get to this place to do this? Or are you just wealthy? And he said, no. Actually, I just calculated how much money it would take me to do that. And every month, I just need to make that amount of money. He said, so I I work with the intention of building the life that I want to have. You and I are building a life. What are we building it on? In verse 26, he draws the contrast. He says, But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The distinct difference between the two is that hearing is not accompanied by doing. There's no change in attitude. There's no change in action. There's no change in how the thing is being built. This last man, he is a hearer. He he hears the word of God. He says amen. He agrees with it. He's not off not knowing what Jesus is teaching. He's heard what he's saying. And he hears all of these teachings. And he, he, he he can see where there's some wisdom in what is being taught. But there's something that just doesn't connect. He hears what's being said, but he does not do. He may even think at some point, you know, I need to deal with that in my life. Or maybe even he he goes to Jesus after Jesus has concluded and he says, man, Jesus, that was an incredible sermon. But he goes home and he does not do what Jesus has taught and preached. He still says unkind things about his brother. She still puts herself in the place to be tempted by sexual sin. He doesn't keep his word or she doesn't do good as Jesus has instructed. Or he doesn't love an enemy. He doesn't give. He doesn't pray. He doesn't commit himself to prayer and fasting. Why? Because earth is still more important than the things that Jesus talked about. There are still some things in the world and in earth that this man is in love with. And so Jesus said he is a foolish man. And that word foolish, it, the Greek word is moros, and it means stupid. Jesus was saying this guy is a stupid blockhead because he knows what he needs to do. He hears it, but he doesn't do. Have you ever dealt with someone? We all have. So it's kind of, a no, don't raise any hands, don't look any certain directions, you don't want people to think you're thinking of them. <laughs> you dealt with a person at work maybe that, I remember one time I was working in the in aircraft industry, we had an engineer come down and look at something, we're having an issue getting, we're working in the nose cone of an airplane and getting the 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 gun, the drill and the rivet gun up into a certain corner and the engineer kept coming down, and he kept saying, no, you got to put this part and then do that. Put this part and then do that. And we've, we were trying to explain to him, like, it works in your computer, but there's physical space limitations. It doesn't work here in, in the nose of the cone, the cone of the nose of the plane. It's not going to work. And I remember finally the lead guy that I was working with, because we kept explaining. It was like an hour conversation talking to this engineer And we need engineers. I'm not knocking engineers. But he finally just took the drill and said, do it. And the engineer got in there, a very tight space, and he puts the drill up in there. And he says, it it won't fit. Yeah, exactly. It won't fit. But in the moment, without him putting his hand on the drill and trying to do it, he thought he knew better. And maybe you've dealt with someone like that, that everything is, it's really obvious, but for some reason, they're hearing it, but they're not doing it. Because it takes more than just the hearing. It takes doing. And listen to what Jesus said. The same exact thing that happened to the wise man happens to the foolish man the rain descended the floods came the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall not only did it fall but great the word is megas mega it had a mega fall it was a great fall not only did it fall, but the additional and says it was a great fall. It took out some things next to, it, next to it and impacted some things. Does anybody remember the video from 9-11 whenever you saw those towers fall? And it was like, boom. And it, I mean, it just ravaged that city. And there were buildings next to it that were damaged, had to be torn down and rebuilt, all because of a great fall. There are two constants. And one variable in this parable. The first, the two constants are this. The first is a house. Both of these men are building a house. The second is a storm. Storm comes on both of them. The only variable is the place where they chose to build. And I, I know what we're thinking because I've, I've thought this my entire life. One was wanting beachfront property. And the other wanted to be in the mountains. That's not what Jesus is talking about. In the area where he's talking, the ground on the topsoil was sand. And below it, if you dug deep enough, there was a terra foundation of rock. And every home that was to be built, if it was going to be stable, it had to be built to dig down to that solid rock. But every year, what would happen is you'd have a rainy season, rainy season where mud and the sand it all gets stirred up and it's loose but if you built at the wrong time of the season whenever that that land had hardened and all of the rain and everything had been taken out of the place and dried up it would seem like the ground was very stable and so he's using a very real situation to address a spiritual issue so you have the constants the house the storm Building site, rock or sand. And each of us is building a house. And here are two men, they're building this house, and each has the same desire. And they're each building in the same area. And they're subject to exactly the same conditions. Jesus is not comparing a believer with an unbeliever, He is comparing a hearer that does not do and a hearer who does. And what is common to both builders is that they hear these sayings of mine. They both go to church. They both make it to prayer meeting. They both hear the sermon. Both may be involved in serving in their church in some way. They are what we would call, and I want you to hear this, what I'm about to say. They're both professing, professing Christians. Professing Christians, but there's a distinction between the two of them because not all professing Christians, even though they can look like it, are possessing Christians because there's a difference between possessing, being Christian, living Christianity, possessing what God's promises are in your life and professing. Christianity. You can't easily tell which is which from a distance. Both appear to be building Christian lives. But there's only one way to know which is which. It's the storm. Because one has dug deep to find the bedrock. The other decided they could cut the cost by just building on the surface. And both homes go up and they look nice, they look attractive. You might even walk by and think, man, you know, if they ever put that house up for sale, I'll buy that. But you're completely unaware that the foundation is not what is needed for the area. Because the foundation is hidden from view. Both build Both make progress. Both homes are looking nice, but one lacks strength because it's unstable, and it's built on unstable things. And there are some unstable things that we can build our lives on. Some people put too much emphasis on Christian friends. One lady emailed her friend, and she said, when you were here, I did just fine, but Now that you've gone, I seem to come all to pieces. She had an unstable foundation. Some look at prevailing fashion of the moment. Whatever's happening in the church world at the moment, that's what they're attracted to. Whatever teaching seems popular, who's the latest, greatest teacher? We'll we'll, we'll listen to them, watch them, hear them. We're inundated with the I think teaching of the world. And we've lost The Word says. You hear a lot of people, they say, well, I think this, I think that. Listen, not concerned with what people think. I want to know what God thinks. What does the Word say? What does Scripture tell me to do? Even though it's the hardest thing sometimes to line your life up to, to what the Word says, it's a challenge to do it today. The world is not on our side to help us. That's the most important thing. The will of God at any cost. We have weak Christians without backbone to stand up against the wind of the storms of the day. We have another group called chameleon Christians. They take on the color of whatever leaf they're on at that moment. They fit in. I have a friend who amazes me. His ability to walk in any circle. And I... I like that about him, but there's sometimes I wonder. Because he can be with anybody and just fit right in. Where there are some places I go that I'm just uncomfortable. I can't fit in, regardless of how hard I would want to try. Whatever season they happen to be a part of, that's what they fit. And there are some that lean to tradition or heritage But the reality is they have no true worship in that tradition. They have no prayer. There's no praise. It's just a tradition. They're Christian, but they're not Christian in lifestyle. They support things that work against Christ in the world. And we can see this happening throughout uh, denominations in the world. We can see them falling by the wayside with political agendas and, and signing up for things that are happening in the world and supporting things that Christ was clearly opposing. Don't misunderstand. There is a storm coming. And only a storm is going to reveal the truth. Storms are inevitable. And I I don't know if someone told you your life with Christ would be easy. I'm going to tell you right now, God does not coddle his saints. He intends for us to mature. He intends for us to grow up. He intends for us to become strong and great and mighty and more than conquerors. And that does not happen if he coddles his saints. We go through the same storms as every other person in this world. It is not God's plan to excuse us from any of the rough experiences of life. The storm comes, and it comes whether we build wisely or we build foolishly. Both houses are going to be tested. Both lives are going to be tested. The only distinct difference is going to be the foundation. What is the foundation placed on? The greatest lie that the enemy has given to our society and that many Christians have just wholeheartedly sunk down and taken hook, line, and sinker is the thinking that I am a believer and that being I am a believer, that's enough for what God intends to do in my life. It is not enough to say, I believe. Jesus said, if you believe what I say, you will build according to what I have said. If you're going to trust me, believe me, have relationship with me, you're going to do what I've asked you to do because you believe me. And so he's drawing a distinction between the two, a hearer and a doer and a hearer who does not do. And everywhere in Scripture, when you see belief, belief is tied to an action because belief is not a noun. Belief is a verb. It requires something of us. Luke 6:46 through 49, the same story Jesus said, but what do you call me, lord, lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood arose, the stream be- beat vehemently he- against the house And could not shake it For it was founded on the rock But he who heard and did nothing Is like a man who built a house On the earth without a foundation Against which the stream Beat vehemently And immediately it fell And the ruin of that house was great Luke 11 and 28 Jesus said this He said more, that, more than that Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. There's a blessing in keeping every word that God gives us. James said it like this in verse, chapter 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word, not hearers only. Deceiving yourselves. See, the foolish man, it's it's bad enough that he's foolish, but he has deceived himself into believing that he's building just like the wise man. But there's no foundation there, and he gets a revelation only when the storm comes into his life. So what does that mean for you and I? It means... We have got to get this right. We have got to get this right. We have to hear and do what Jesus teaches. So I'm not satisfied. That's why I challenge you, church. Check what I'm preaching. Check what I'm teaching. I'm going to stand beside you in judgment, and and God, one day, He's going to look and He's going to say, Vince, this was in your life because Pastor Coon preached. I'll be judged alongside every person that stands in judgment that I led. And so, trust me, I am working to get it all perfectly right. But you've got to test it. Because at the same moment that he's saying, Pastor Kuhn taught this, he's going to be saying, but Vince, did you check on that? make sure that was right and if he says pastor coon was wrong he's not going to say but you get a pass he's going to say i gave you my word i gave you my word and i'm not tearing down the office of pastor that god has given us But what I am saying is he puts it back on every one of us that we have to know. I I found some things in my life that I had pastors teach and preach that I found out It's not accurate. I found some things that the principle was right, but the particular scriptures they were using in context were wrong. I try not to do that. We have to hear and do what Jesus teaches. So protect your marriage as your most important asset. That's what Jesus said. We're going to talk about marriage. Protect your morals. Make no space for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And if I can say that there's one thing that we struggle with in this world, it's allowing our flesh to have too much space. Quit murdering the people around you with your tongue, even if it feels justified. And get over the world's stinking attitude of what's in it for me. Because we can all be so selfish sometimes. Christ calls us to walk the narrow path. And the narrow path is this it's getting out and away from the places where Christians don't belong. And when the Spirit of God tries to lead you by giving you a gut check that, hey, I'm not comfortable with this, that's when you listen and you follow. If you have to have Bible and verse for everything that you eliminate in your life, then you're not being Spirit-led. There are some things I don't allow in my life that God never said in His Word that I need to get rid of. I just do it because there's something about the Spirit of God that says, that makes you uncomfortable. Don't allow it. Quit listening to and validating the doctrines that are not scriptural. I want to talk to our church body. Yes, I'm so glad you're here today. This is not a challenge for you, but if you take it, God bless you, take it church body. Be careful what you support. Second John 10 and 11, it says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, what doctrine? The doctrine of the apostles. This doctrine was before the what we would call the, the Christian fathers. It was before all of any changes that came through through Catholicism is before any of that he said if they do not bring this doctrine what doctrine? The doctrine of Jesus Christ manifest in the flesh God among us redeeming the world to himself he said do not receive him into your house nor greet him for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds what he's saying there he's saying if you give into if you support what they're doing you're just as much taking part in that false teaching and preaching and false prophesying and that false doctrine as they are you're as guilty as they are so be careful what you give to support your support because there's a lot of stuff out there that it looks Christian you get down to it it's questionable and you're going to hear about false preachers and false teachers it's one of the things Jesus talked a lot about false falsehoods. because storms are coming and the only way to know is you dig into the word you read it and you obey it the storm is brewing and it can come in any time in any way and some of us have weathered storms before Storms can be financial. It can be whenever your, fa- your spouse fails you. It can be whenever sudden family members are lost and you're, you're going through a storm. And storms come through temptation. They come through loss. They come through suffering that disturbs the peace and joy of a life and a home. Sometimes, storms persecution. And we live in an atmosphere hostile, to Christian belief, we face ridicule, we face opposition, we face suffering for the Lord. Storms hit every home. But what you have built will only stand if the foundation has been built upon the rock, and the rock is what he taught and he preached. We always, every time I hear this, the rock is Jesus Christ, the rock is Jesus Christ. No, the rock is what Jesus Christ taught and preached this particular story because if you're taking it in context to what Jesus is saying he's saying whoever builds on my sayings that's the rock my sayings And so we're going to spend the next few weeks and this is what we're going to talk about being Jesus talked about the importance of knowing him the old testament says those who know their God will be great exploits we have to be with him to know him And before he ever invites us to do things for him, through him, in his name, he first invites us into relationship with him. And our relationship with him determines how effective we are, how strong we are, how anointed we are. Then we're going to talk about forgiving. Jesus is all about grace. It's God in Christ reconciling himself to the world. Many of us struggle with receiving God's forgiveness, forgiving others, or even forgiving ourselves. To truly represent Jesus in this world, we have to understand God's grace in our lives and extend that grace to others. Serving. After spending time with being with Jesus Christ, receiving His forgiveness, we should be motivated to serve. After all that He's done for me, how can I not serve Him? And then finally, we'll talk about giving. Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven more than anything else. But the second thing He talked most about is money, which is always cracks me up. You hear people say, you know, preachers talk about money, talk about money claiming to be Christian, your God talked about money, talked about money, talked about money I found through the words of Jesus it's impossible to be a stingy Christian Jesus followers are generous what's amazing is that in that generosity he continues to bless and to bless and to bless when our heart is right and then finally I want to preach on going It's no coincidence that many of Jesus' last words in in each of the Gospels and the very last command he gave in the book of Acts centers on the fact that we're to be his hands and feet, we're to be his mouthpiece, proclaiming his promises for all people. We're to witness that Jesus died for our sins and that he has promised his spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit for all people. So I want to wrap up with this. You can stand and join me. I know this has been a a very different sermon from what I normally preach. But remember, we're gearing up for a series here that we're going to go through. And if you're a guest here today, I want to challenge you. We have what we call a six-service challenge because services are different every time. Really, really different because we allow the Spirit of God to move So it changes. Take the sixth service challenge. Come and check us out again. Today what I want to do is I want to call us to a foundation check. I want us to take a survey of our foundation. Are we building? Have we dug down until we found the rock? Have we found the things that Jesus is teaching and preaching and you've probably heard and it's been exposed to some if you've not heard all of them but am I applying those things in my life doesn't mean you have to have it perfect but it does mean you have to be digging down And this service this series is going to test us and I'd rather be tested here than be tested when the storm hits because I know personally there are some areas I need to grow in. You may already know some areas that you need to grow in. You may, know, you may already have some things God has been dealing with you about that you know, I need to get this plumbed out in my life. I need to get it right. I want to challenge you to take that survey. Survey your foundation. If you're here today, you're looking for answers. The first place it always starts is believing the Word of God, believing what God has said for us. And if you believe Jesus, Jesus said this. He called every person to repentance. And repentance is simply an about face, turning away from sin. So it means if I'm lying, if I'm sinning, I turn away from that. And I ask Him to forgive me. And repentance, Jesus said it like this. He said, unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. He said that two times. Repentance. And if you've repented, I encourage you to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized. Notice, he's tying belief again to an action. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. So have you been baptized in the name of Jesus? Have you received the baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues? If you've not done any of those things, those are great places or experience those things because two of those things you do, one of those things you experience. But if you've not experienced those things, it's a great place to start. Acts 1 and 5, Jesus said, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And that not many days from now was in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit fell on them, they began to speak in another tongue, a language they did not know or understand. And everyone there all about heard them, He said, what is this? And Peter said to them, this is the promise. This is what Jesus was promising us. So if you've not experienced those things, that's a great place to start. Because every one of these acts of faith, baptism, repentance, Jesus has called us to that. And if you're a member here in this church, I want us to take a moment. Let's let the Spirit of God speak to us. survey the foundation of our life God you see every person that's gathered here today Lord it was no mistake my sermon for today what you put in my heart God I thank you for what you're going to do and say to us through this series Lord I know in my own life I need some things God to be fleshed out I want to find the bedrock I want to find the rock to build upon I don't want to just do what the world shows me that looks great and has a great appearance, Lord, but I want to be built on a foundation that stands the test of eternity and stands through storms of life. In Jesus' name.